Thank you for tuning in to Shift the Plan podcast, where it is never too late to change the game. I'm your host, Rhonda Evans, and here we'll be listening to stories of the everyday woman. How life just, you know, brings you a little bit of obstacles, but what matters is what you do within the shift. Today on Shift the Plan podcast, we'll be joined by Brianna Loren, who's a wife, mom of two, and an author. She wrote her current book, Pretty Pretty Black Girl, while she was struggling with depression. She finally decided to publish it because she thought the words could help other Black women that have struggled with their self-identity, self-worth, society stereotypes, and colorism, just to name a few. Her struggle with depression taught her so much, it was like having to find herself all over again. After she overcame depression, she became intentional in doing things that bring her joy, being present, and knowing when to ask for help. So let's go ahead and shift into this next episode. Well, welcome for joining Shift the Plan this evening, Miss Brianna Lauren, which I love your name because that's my daughter's name. So it's the awesome name. (laughs) And it sounds exactly the same way. So, well, thank you so much for joining Shift the Plan. I'm excited to have you on here because one of the things that um, I I want to get more awareness out there um, for is mental health. And I love Mm -hmm. that you have this collection of books that are reinforcing that, um, that self-awareness and making that self-esteem. And so I love that. And I wanted to definitely have you on so you could talk to our listeners um, about that and your platform. Well, thank you. You are very, very welcome. So let's go ahead and start where it came from because you've been writing for a long time. I know in your bio, it says gibberish, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't gibberish. (laughs) (laughs) Looking back at it now, it's kind of like, what was I talking about? But (laughs) yeah, it's been a long time. It's funny because my mom actually uh, brought me some of like the old things I used to write. Mm -hmm. So I was like, wow, some of it was kind of like, what in the world? Some of it was like, okay, wow, this is kind of deep. I was writing all early and even some of the things from like the little plays and stuff I was writing so I mean it did start at an early age I had um so many notebooks of um of poems and songs and plays and all kinds of things I just came up with and stories so it was definitely planted early and it just began to grow as I got older that is awesome that is awesome so you definitely had parents that nurtured that sense because you know when you're younger and you do different things I know sometimes you know you have a sense of parents they're like oh that's fun but you're gonna focus on this but then you have the parents that really nurture it and help you to you know get to that step when in when you're in adulthood mm-hmm. and yeah I was raised by my great grandma and she was a teacher at my school so she was like she loved that I enjoyed writing she just wanted to make sure like are you using correct grammar but <laughs> grandma come on give me a break (laughs) let me just get it out first so did you actually put on the plays and stuff that you wrote 
Yes, I did. And I had like neighbor, neighborhood kids do it too, which is funny because all of them were older than me. And so my grandma was like, she'd hear, because I was raised by my gran- my great grandma, but um, during the summer and stuff, we'd be at my grandma's house because I'm originally from Maryland. So mm-hmm. we'd be at my grandma's house and she and the doorbell would ring, ding dong, and it would be like, hi, I'm here for Brianna. And my grandma would be like, okay, and they'd come in, ding dong, hi, I'm here for Brianna. And after a while, my grandma would be like, what's going on? <laughs> And I was like, Grandma, um, you can't come down here. We're practicing for our <laughs> This is my house, okay? So we'd be in the basement practicing. And and, um, and it was so funny. We made little, like, I made uh, little costumes and stuff. My grandma had, like, this dress-up box for me, which was really just, like, curtains and all kinds <laughs> of craziness. <laughs> and these high heel shoes that she had, like, bedazzled. And she'd put, like, these little jewels gems on them so it was nothing like super fancy but to me it was like the best thing in the world mm-hmm. and and then as I got older I made like my little brother my older brother they had to be in my Christmas performances I'd make one and this wasn't at church or anything this was at home and everybody had to gather around and see our performance they had to practice and they would be so mad girl they would be mad I don't want to practice I said oh but you're gonna practice today or you will not be in the production and oh my were God. mad and stuff. <laughs> hilarious and I look back at it now I'm like why were they listening to me <laughs> my older brother like I don't I well don't it looks like at an early age you were definitely a leader you had everyone older than you <laughs> yes <laughs> that is so awesome like did you re- get to record any of these or anything I, I have one or two recorded and um uh, it's one from Christmas, and it was the one where my older brother and my little brother were in it, and it's so cute. The only thing is, my stepdad filmed it, and back then, you know, the, the uh, camcorder, whatever, big old thing, and you could put, like, this little thing in the middle that said Merry Christmas, but he never took it off, so the whole thing, the whole play is just this big old white Merry Christmas right there. I mean, you can still see around it, but I'm like, come on now. You messed up. Right. You had one job to be the cameraman and you couldn't handle that. Mm-hmm. But you can still see it. It's still really cute. But I'm like, this would have been even better if you could see everything. If you could see all of the stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, I think that <laughs> our parents out there really doing something with the little yeah. uh, special effects and stuff. Yes. We were good to have the date and the time correct. This day and time, he would have been fired, okay? <laughs> uh, you know what? Next, I need another video. Right. <laughs> you have well, of your duties. <laughs> right. I hope that you saved all of that because I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure, like, now you can share it with your children mm-hmm. and even, you know, with your books and stuff like that. Yeah. So that was good. I love that. So you said you grew up, well, you were born in Maryland, but you grew up in Washington, D.C. Yes, in Northwest D.C. So what was that like growing up in D.C.? Um, it's different, um, especially since I've lived so many places since then. Um, mm-hmm. We moved a lot. We lived in like different states and stuff, including like Texas. I live in Virginia and just like North Carolina, actually, too. Um, but so in comparison, D.C. was a lot different because, um, like I said, I grew up with my great-grandma 
uh, there. And so we had to get up at like four o'clock in the morning because she Ooh. taught at my school. Yeah. I went to Holy Redeemer um, on New Jersey Ave. And I used to um, have to get up at four o'clock in the morning because she, of course, wanted to teach before care and after care. So we take a bus because they didn't have school buses. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had to take the, the metro, which is public transportation. We'd have to walk to the bus stop, then take the bus. And the bus didn't go directly to the school. So you still had to walk a ways to get to oh the school. Yes. Yeah. Then I'd be there all day. Then she had to, then she did aftercare, you know, like after school care or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, it was great because there's so many different pe- types of people, so many different things. We walked everywhere because my great grandma had glaucoma, so she couldn't drive. But mm-hmm. really, I think it's because if she was driving, she probably run some folks over glaucoma <laughs> or not. She did not play. <laughs> so, but it was good. It was a great experience. I still go by that house because um, I just miss it so much. It was in our family for such a long, long, long time. Like, my mom grew up in that house. My grandma grew up in that house. My great grandma grew up in that house. Um, her parents lived there. Yeah, so it was just there for a long time. It, it just um, is unfortunate that, that we weren't able to keep it in the family um, forever. But hopefully one day I can change that and bring it back to the family. But I mean, it was a good experience. It was really good. And we live right down the street from Howard. So, you know, we got to see like the homecomings and the games and all that stuff. That was nice. So that is interesting that you say that because <laughs> I was like, she was raised in D.C., but mm-hmm. yet you went to A&T for college. Yes. How did yeah. that happen? <laughs> you lived up the street from Howard University. <laughs> I was trying to get away from Maryland people, to be honest. I wanted something different. And then I went to A&T and it was nothing but Maryland people. I was like, hold up now. I thought I left y'all back in the 301, 202, 410 area code. Like, why are y'all here? um it was even a, a a guy from my high school uh there and I'm like dude what are you doing here and it was just funny that I was trying to escape them and then everyone was there but uh, <laughs> but honestly going to A&T was definitely the best um decision of my life although I always envisioned myself going to Howard because I did grow up in the street from so but yeah A&T was definitely the way for me that is so interesting because the other day we did um, an episode about the Black college experience and one of the young ladies, she went to Howard, she was even so adamant about going that she said, if I did not get into Howard University, I wasn't going to college. And yes, the only school I applied to, my mom was so mad. Are you serious? Yes, but I did early admission though. So I was like, well, if I don't get in here, I can still do regular you know, admission for another school, but that's the only school I applied to. And when my mom found that out, she was like, "Are you crazy?" Like, why? Right. Yeah. All this time, she thought I was filling out all those good applications. No, ma'am. I only fill. <laughs> this is my school. I'm going yes, to go to A and T. That's it. In the story. Mm-hmm. So, what was your determining factor as to why you really want to go to A and T? Um, well, my visit, like, made a big difference. It's, I could feel, like, that difference, like, when I was there. I just felt like I was at home, and, Mm -hmm. and, of course, like I said, I wanted to do something different. I wanted to be outside of Maryland, D.C. area, because, because of the fact that I had moved a lot, I did experience 
different things. I just wanted to stick with that. I didn't want to just stay in Maryland for like ever after mm-hmm. that. So um, the visit definitely made a difference. And then my mom's um, childhood friend, who I actually called my uncle, he uh, worked for the football de- uh, department. Well, he worked over at- worked in athletics overall, but his main thing is football because you know that's the biggest thing anyway. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> So he was like, you know, well, Brie, if you come here, you know, I'll take care of you. And, you know, so it was also having like that family there and ended up working for him for about 10, 11 years, including the time I was at, I was um, in school. So he definitely took care of me. And, and, um, you know, I just, like I said, I felt like I was at home in the sea of black folks, you know. (laughs) In the sea of black folks, yes. I think um, going to, now when I look back at it, (laughs) going to an HBCU, it's like you're around, it's not just about being around um, other Black kids, but Mm -hmm. like she, like my friend explained it, it was like they took all the smart Black kids and just put them all together in this one place, and now you don't necessarily feel out Mm -hmm. of place, but you feel like you're right at home, like you said. That's exactly how I felt, because it was like, different black people, you know, different shades, sizes, um, different ideas, different ways of thinking, but all with the common goal. So that connected us. So Mm -hmm. it felt like, like, right, you know, and then, because I didn't always like, fit in with black people, because it was always, you know, they used to call me an Oreo. They said I was black on the outside and white on the inside, because I spoke proper and I did this and I did that. And I like this music, and you know, so I was just like, okay. So I didn't feel like I fit in right, but, but then, but at UT, none of that. I didn't feel that. I always felt like, you know, there was a that you with- always were like at home. So I, yeah, I completely understand that. So I think that kind of plays into some of the things that you. So growing up, you said that you know you were called an Oreo and things like that, and I can definitely relate because it's <laughs> school was like. In middle school, I was like one of maybe two or three other black children. So when I got home in the neighborhood, they were like, oh, she thinks she's better than us or she thinks she's white or things like that. So talk about a little about what that was like growing up. That was hard because it always felt like because when I was um, when I was in D.C., I um, went to a black school. So it was just black folks, you know, I didn't have to do anything else. And then once I left there, um, we moved, I moved to Maryland with my mom. And then after that was in Virginia, then North Carolina, then Texas. So when I was moving, I was in like predominantly white spaces. So it always felt like I had to prove my worth or like prove that I belong there. Or, you know, I had to prove to the black people that I was black enough. But I had to prove to the white people that I'm still smart. You know, I belong in this honors class or I belong in this class or I know this and I know that. It's like always having to like constantly prove yourself, which is tiring because it's like, why am I trying to convince you that you should like me or Mm -hmm. that I can do this or that I fit in instead of just worrying about myself, you know, or just being myself and you either like me or you don't. So it was kind of hard because I did have, I did have friends though. I did have some good friends. Um, they were just few and far between, you know, it was just a few. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's okay. Because, you know, 
I've realized like some of the people who had like all these quote unquote friends, those were the ones who were always like um had all this drama because <laughs> they're telling all their business to all their friends, you know, mm-hmm. and and those were not their friends. They were just people who wanted to be around them because they felt as though they were popular or something and, and that mm-hmm. was gonna pop their status up. So we're I was envying the popular people for no reason really because yeah just yeah so I mean it, it was a lot it was hard it was sometimes when I was really sad about it because I just wanted to fit in you know mm-hmm. and I was it was annoying too being like the dark-skinned girl pretty for the dark-skinned girl having the light-skinned mm-hmm. friend everybody would like want to talk to your friend and then they don't, don't want to talk to you because they're like oh you know she's whatever oh you know and I'm like okay so and then a lot of people most of the people in my family are lighter skinned so, oh, right. yeah. So, so there, was, like, did you see that at in within the family dynamic as well? Um, not really. No one had like. I didn't feel like people were treated differently within my family, and I don't feel like I was treated differently within my family. Um, so that was the one place where it just really didn't matter, you know, because <laughs> I didn't see like that hierarchy there. But I did like out in the real world, you know. And my mom is light skinned, so I don't think she really understood you know, what I was going through. And I didn't really talk about it either. I wasn't like, oh, mom, I'm pretty for the dark skin girl. I just kind of was like, whatever. But my grandma understood because her cousins and her mom and her, you know, everybody was super light and she was brown like me. So she Mm -hmm. understood what I was going through. She was like, but see, she would get teased or kind of like picked on about it more so, you know, because of her era that she was in. But yeah. Was your grandmother that outlet for you? Um, I'd say my grandma and my great grandma, and sometimes my mom too, but mainly it was my great grandma, um, because you know I grew up with her and everything. So, and she's very open about stuff. She would tell you stuff I probably didn't even need to know to be. <laughs> so I could I felt like I could tell her anything, you know, because that's how she was with me. Mm-hmm. And funny, you know, as I get older, I'm thinking I'm like. Grandma was telling me this, and she should not have been saying that. But I get it now, you know. <laughs> right. She just was like, "I'm just gonna prepare you for the real world." Look, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. Mm-hmm. And I love that about our senior citizens, like yeah. grandparents. When yeah. I tell you, are the yeah. best. They will tell you like it is, honey. Yes. Did that? Um, did those over into adulthood, or even when you went away? did that um trickle over into adulthood or even when you went away to college about wanting to fit in or I just want people to like me Mm -hmm. um yes and no because I was still kind of like struggling to figure out who I was Mm -hmm. so when you don't know who you are, it's like you don't want other people to, to not to know. I mean, you don't want other people to know that you don't know who you are. You, are. <laughs> you know, like you're, you're like, okay, well, I got to be somebody. So let me, you know, put on this space or let me, you know. And then because of, of such a long time of people not liking me because of the, my differences and stuff, I, I could find myself sometimes like, putting those differences like 
hiding them kind of you know mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that those same I didn't want those same problems I didn't want the people to call me white I didn't want people to see me in a certain light or and then it start all over again because I felt like once I'm here you know then people will know me and then that's what they'll know me for you know and you can't it's hard to change that so mm-hmm. but once I started to like understand okay this is who you are this is how you're gonna be and you'll and you'll grow over time and you'll learn more about yourself over time but you'll get better with time but some things aren't going to change you know so that's just who yeah. you are. and the quicker you deal with that the people you'll know the people that are for you so I just kind of like said that and I was just like hey this is me you know <laughs> I feel like that whole like needing to be liked and that validation it it kind of stopped as far as like my friendships but it didn't stop as far as like relationships with like guys oh okay you know, okay I kind of needed that you know from that validation like oh yeah okay yeah she's cool or she's pretty or she's this you know I still kind of needed that um from guys mm-hmm. I didn't even think about it from that perspective. Like, you know, when it comes to the female dynamic and, you know, friendships, you know, you want those good girlfriends, but you want it to be genuine. You know, you want it to be real and you want them to like you for exactly who you are, right? No sugar, but I didn't even think about it from the male perspective. It's like, okay, I, do I need to be on? Do I need to be this way so he will like me? Or if he doesn't like this about me, do I need to switch it up? So let's talk about that a little bit. Um, the dynamic when it came to dating and, and wanting to, to be liked. So I would say that was like more so um, like needing like that that love, that acceptance, that validation, because it's different when it's coming from a guy than when it's coming from your homegirl. Because yeah. so many times, like, guys didn't want to date me because if I went to predominantly white schools, the guys mm-hmm. would think I'm cute or whatever, but they didn't want to date me because they're not <laughs> walking around here with no black girl, you know? What I mean? <laughs> right. Right. And then when I went to schools that did have like a lot of black people, it wasn't predominantly black people, but it was enough. Then, mm-hmm. um, girls didn't like me they always were starting something with me I don't know why I was like I didn't, <laughs> I'm so nice. in the hallway because she said someone told her something that I said something I'm like girl I don't even know your name so because the girls didn't like me they didn't want their homeboys to like me even though they did you know they thought I was pretty or whatever or smart and stuff but they didn't talk to me or date me because I wasn't like, I guess the traditional black girl at the school, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like stereotypical black girl. And, you know, that hurt me. So when I got to like, to, I guess, an age or, uh, um, I guess we can just say like, when I got to college and guys like, like me, I was like, okay, you know, this is different. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so, you know, it's just like, it's just weird because you go from nobody liking you or in your mind, no one liking you. Right. That's the part right there. Yeah. Cause it's funny, you know, after you graduate high school and you graduate college and then guys are like, Oh yeah, I used to like you back in the day. Well, you can sit just a little silly behind down because you could have told me that. Right. <laughs> My self-esteem issues. <laughs> How dare you come to me years later? Right. Don't tell me now. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. You could have said what you just said. I used to, I like you. <laughs> <That's simple. laughs> exactly so 
I mean, yeah, but, and then that puts you into those relationships you shouldn't be in, the people you shouldn't be with because they gave you some attention, you know? Mm -hmm. And I had my share of that or always, because I, and then I started doing with them what I was doing when I was in those white spaces, always trying to feel like I had to prove that I was worthy, you know, like, so has to go above and beyond in a relationship, giving someone love and attention that, or, or anything, you know, and they, things that they weren't reciprocating, but they would gladly, you know, take that time and that effort that you're putting into a relationship that really doesn't even exist in the grand scheme of things, because it's, it's one way, it's one end type of relationship. You're putting exactly. it, and they're just taking it, and you feel like you constantly have to prove, I'm a good girlfriend, I'm a good this, I'm a good that, you know, because you need that, so I had those relationships too, and then, uh, you know, after a while, once you realize, like, it's something I tell people, once you realize your worth, you'll stop giving discounts, because, yeah. you know, I'm like, okay, and in my mind, I'm like, you're lucky you got me at that time, mm-hmm. because you couldn't afford me now, there like, you go, right there. <laughs> and the time, effort you'd have to put in now, oh, you mm-hmm. definitely couldn't afford me, you know, so you're lucky you got me on that sale, on that discount, <laughs> I didn't know who I was but don't try and step up here with them same coins now because you won't you won't know you won't measure like because I know how much I'm worth now yeah and And I put up with half of the stuff that I put up then so don't even come um, crawling back because no no you Right. That moment of evolution where you're like, okay, mm-hmm. finally. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it an amazing feeling like, okay, what was I thinking? Why mm-hmm. was I doing this? Or why was exactly. I doing that? So yeah. I mean, I'm still a work in progress, but <laughs> I'm glad <Not> that you <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm glad that you're putting these stories out here, you know, that you're speaking about these things because there are so many women who are doing this every single day but Mm -hmm. don't know how to get to the next step so Mm -hmm. was writing your only vehicle to you know becoming aware of all of this and then taking the step to change it for yourself um no I'd say heartbreak was definitely one of the vehicles that I um probably rode the wheels off of Um, you know, constantly having to have those same things, things happen to me. Like some people can go through it once or twice and they're like, you know what? I'm good. But apparently I'm not one of those people. So I have to, <laughs> you know, I was like, I know God is like, Lord, if only she knew, if she just stopped doing that, she could just, you know, she'd be okay. But right. he probably was telling, he like, Jesus, like, look, look, look at this fool. She about to go. Uh, didn't I show her last time? <laughs> Like I just told you, no. right. like she ain't gonna learn. No, 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 no. Let her do it. Let her do it. Let her do it. Jesus, watch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> she did it again. Right. He's like, it's okay. She's gonna learn. So I finally did, you know. But <laughs> um, so I would say heartbreak. Um, also, you know, sometimes I feel like. <laughs> definitely you know god had to remove some folks like because he said well she's not going to do it and she keep going through it and so let me go ahead and help a sister out right and went ahead and, and handle that for me so um 
yeah, I would say those those would be the main vehicles. Writing was definitely an outlet though, because I would write like poetry and mm-hmm. I journal, and it would make me feel better. Because you know, there's some things that you do that's dumb that you don't want to tell anybody. <laughs> right. Um, you be like, I can't tell my homegirl because she just told me to leave his raggedy behind alone, mm-hmm. and I can't tell her. So just to write it down and kind of like self reflect, that yeah. did help as well. Yeah. That is awesome. I think writing is so therapeutic. I think it's always good to have a journal mm-hmm. because like you said, you don't, when you say it out loud, it's like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> did I really do that? Exactly. It's like, mm-hmm. what was I thinking? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> but you know, we live and we learn. It's all about life lessons. Um, you said that in, it was a quote, I was like, oh my gosh, I think she was reading my mind. Like, that's how I felt. When you said that, you know, through your book, it's just self, well, self-awareness is polished by adversity, allowing our light to shine through no matter the circumstance. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, that is just like shift the plan, encompass in all of that. Yes. And how was it when when you finally was like, okay, I'm going to shift the plan. This is what I'm going to do and decide, okay, I'm going to become an author. I'm going to get these stories out here to other women. I want other women to feel good about themselves and to know that they're not doing this alone. Mm-hmm. I would say there would be, there were like two major like shifts. Um, <laughs> one was, like I said, I used to work for um, anti-athletics. Mm-hmm. And I was doing that and and you know that's something I like really enjoyed doing I had fun doing it um we I used to travel like do fun things go places I hadn't been before you know oh, wow. and I was really good at my job like if my boss needed to for any you know like health reason or for anything like that if he needed something to be taken over or you know if his workload was too heavy if he ever needed something like that I could handle it and he knew I could handle it because that's just mm-hmm. how I knew my job better than I knew myself, literally. Wow. So, because I could tell you what was wrong with, you know, whatever I was doing, but I couldn't tell you what I was feeling, what I was going through. And so I realized that that was a problem. Excuse me. Anytime you know your job better than, like, you know yourself, yeah, that's what you're putting first. That's where mm-hmm. your priority is. And, and I also knew I wasn't living my purpose, even mm-hmm. though I uh, like I still miss my my old job. Like I still miss it. Of course, there are parts of it that I don't miss, but that you know, that's with anything. But right. um, <laughs> but I still miss it. And so, um, it, but I I wasn't happy. You know, like I didn't have like I don't have I didn't have that feeling like I have now when you know like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I didn't feel that way. And then you get unfulfilled, and you get sad, and you get angry, and it's like no matter how much someone would be willing to pay you to do it, you know, your heart wouldn't be in it. Yeah. So like look inside myself and was kind of had to reevaluate, well, what makes you happy? You know? So I kind of, I was like, well, let me, you know, get back to writing. And I, mm-hmm. I saw that one of my high school friends, um, Ashley, she wrote a children's book and I was like, wow, you know, that's so cool. And mm-hmm. then shortly after that, well, I don't know how shortly, but after that, she started her own publishing company. Oh, wow. Now, my friend Ashley is a really, like, when I tell you, I don't even know if anything I'd ever write would compare 
to what she is capable of writing. Like she is amazing. She was writing like that in high school. Okay. Wow. That's and amazing. That, right. And and I don't have that great of a memory, but I remember that. <laughs> I remember in high school because I read one of her poems or she read it to the class. It was something. And I mean, I was blown away. It was, I think it was a, it was like a, this really deep poem. It was a letter from an unborn child to its mother. Mm, Okay. Right. And I think the mom was going to like have an abortion or something like that. Um, Don't quote me on it, but it was, (laughs) it was like something super dope Mm -hmm. and and thought provoking. And I'm just like, what am I doing? (laughs) I have this Dr. Seuss poem over here. I'm like, I'm definitely <laughs> reading this, but well, I heard it so deep. So anyway, that's just to show you like the level of admiration that I have for her as a writer. And so she started her own publishing company. I saw that. I was like, that is so cool. So I was like, let me write something, you know? So I, I, I kind of had an idea of what I wanted to write, which was a children's book. Mm-hmm. And that was my first book. And I was like, well, I'll just write it something based off of what I know. Cause you know, they always say, right. Which, you know, yeah. Um, so I wrote it based off of my um childhood, me and my little brother. Uh, when he was oh, born. Wow. so it was called Breebie's Brand New Baby Brother. So mm-hmm. you know, I had an idea for what I wanted to write, but I couldn't get it all together, you know, because I was trying too hard. Basically, I was like, This is gonna rhyme, and what rhymes with a shoe, you know, and I was just like, too much. <laughs> instead of letting it flow. So one night it came to me, like literally, you know, like in the middle of the night when stuff hits you and you have to write it down. Yes. Otherwise in the morning, you're like, dang, nab it all. What was I going to say? So I had to write it down. <laughs> and that's the book. I, I gave it to Ashley. It was written in like pages. I don't know if you have a mm-hmm. Mac, but pages. And I was like, can I, can you read this for me? I was like, <laughs> like, okay. So I gave it to her and she's like, oh my gosh, like we have to publish this. This is so nice. I was like, yeah, you know, she should say that. That's what she's gonna say, you know. Because she's, <laughs> she's my friend. Right. <laughs> but um <laughs> but then I let like a couple other people read it and they were like, oh wow, yeah, you need to publish that. So that was like the first shift, just okay. realizing that you're not operating in your purpose, you're not fulfilled, you need to, to switch it up. You need to do something different because if you keep going at this, um, down this road, it's not going to end well. Mm-hmm. So that was the first one. The second one was um, when I wrote this book, when you said you asked, you know, um, about sharing with other women and stuff. So I was um, going through depression. I was pregnant. And but honestly, I think the depression started before I even found out I was pregnant or anything like that well I know it was before I found out I don't know if it started before I became pregnant because I really just can't even tell you the day it started it was Mm -hmm. just like slow you know it was right and so it's kind of like you don't notice it at first it's like it steals like these little things at first like little moments and then it then it steals like bigger things and then to the point where it's like now you realize, okay, something's missing. Mm-hmm. No, so it's it's kind of weird. So that's what I was going through, and that, you know, once I was realized, once I realized it was probably depression, I was pregnant. So oh, wow. yeah, and and I had just found out, and, and this is how I know I, it was something was wrong was because when I found out I was pregnant, I was not happy. I wasn't mad. <laughs> but I wasn't happy. Like I wasn't, I didn't have joy. Like with my firstborn, like <laughs> I was like off the wall. I was nervous because I was my first mm-hmm. kid, but I was so happy. 
but I wasn't happy when I found out I was pregnant. And I was just like, I was struggling like to get out of the bed, to go to work, to go to the grocery store, to mm-hmm. just like little things that I wasn't even writing. And so it was just like, it's like I said, it stole little things, little things. And then I didn't notice it till it like completely stole my joy. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, this something's not right. And like, I was in the shower, like crying because I didn't want my husband to see me. I didn't want my son to see me. I didn't mm-hmm. like want people to see me in that state. You know, I, mm-hmm. I just felt really weak. I felt like a slob because I wasn't um, cleaning up stuff. I wasn't um, really doing anything to my hair. I wasn't showering every day. It just mm-hmm. was like, to the point where it was like embarrassing because if I told someone, I'd have to tell them everything. Yeah. I'd have to call them the the um, parts that I was like ashamed of. So I just didn't say anything. And so I went that way for a while to the point where I was just like, I was missing so much work. Like one of my checks was $23 after they oh, took, wow. yeah, after they took out like taxes and, you know, um, health insurance and all that. And I was just mm-hmm. like, <laughs> this is I can't, I can't keep getting these yeah <laughs> <laughs> and so but you know people still didn't know my husband did not know I was not going to work because I work from home oh, and so wow. I just walked from like my room to my office mm-hmm. and, and so I mean even though I work on the I work on the phone so it's like I can just work whenever I want I, I still have a set schedule but I was like, how lazy do you have to be to not be able to walk from your room down the hallway to your office? Like, these are things I was saying to myself. Like, mm-hmm. I was really beating myself up. I'm like, you need something. You're not right. Like, you're lazy. You're this and you're that. And you're a bad mom. And it's just like, it was ridiculous. So I started to go. I, I mean, I went to my, I called my OB. And I was like, you know, I don't feel like something is right. I feel like I'm, I might be depressed or something's going on because I'm crying all the time. Um, I just don't feel right. And then, but I wasn't crying all the time. And that's something I had associated with depression. I was like, well, I'm not crying all the time. So I'm not. So that can't be it. Right. So it's got to be something else. It's me. It's not depression. And then I was like, if I say something to somebody, they're just going to say it's your hormones. And so I just, you know, those are the reasons why I didn't say anything. I was embarrassed. I thought it was me. I didn't think it was anything else. And so um, I went to my OB. Like I said, I called her and I was like, you know, if it was right. So I spoke to, uh, they get you in contact with a nurse first. And so then she was like, okay, well, I'm going to talk to your doctor, blah, blah, blah. So my doctor called me and she was like, you know, I really want you to see someone. So she connected me with a therapist. And um, and I was like, um, Look, I don't mean no harm, but I'm gonna need a black therapist. <laughs> and I would kind of prefer a black woman if possible because I just don't have the energy to try and, you know, I just need someone to yeah. relate to me. I don't wanna have to do any extra explanations of nothing, you know? Right. I need you to understand. I need you to get <laughs> black woman to black woman. You know what I mean? All right. So <laughs> it was like one time when I had a, a white guy as a gynecologist there's just some things that I, I know I just yeah. you know I don't need to bear my stuff or my soul to a non-black person <laughs> right. 
You know, if it wasn't depression, if it was just like, I just need somebody to talk to regular, okay, I'm cool with that. But this right here, I'm burying my soul, my everything I'm ashamed about, insecure of, everything I need, I need to be my sister. Yeah. So, so um, you know, I got in touch with someone and I w- went to therapy and from, she was like, you know, she told me, she was like, this is depression. And I, I wanted to like, I don't know, like break down and cry at everything because it was just an overwhelming like sense of relief I guess mm-hmm. no it's not me yeah. this is something you know that's going on with me but it's not me right and at that moment because that whole time I kind of felt like alone but mm-hmm. at that moment, and like having her and having her like with those words and with that comfort and stuff that gave me something that I want to give other people because yeah. that's not something that you can buy. I mean, although <laughs> I did pay for therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I guess you kind of could buy it. But <laughs> <laughs> now what you got out of it. You right. Know. That's priceless. Yeah. You know, not feeling alone. That's priceless. And, you know, although the book costs money. Mm-hmm. what I'm trying to give people because I've put so much of myself in my book it's like I'm there with you and that is the mm-hmm. point of you know I want it to be like something that hugs you when yeah. you may not be able to get that physical hug from someone you know mm-hmm. I want words to like uplift you and and see you through the day and and pull you up out of that bed or tell you you're pretty or you know hold your hand that's the whole goal you know because that's what I I needed that's what I when I would say these affirmations to myself when I would write them down that's what they did for me Mm -hmm. and so I'm sharing it because I want to do that for someone else and and my whole goal always as an author or anything that I do, screenwriting, filmmaking, is to change the narrative. And not so much to change the narrative of, or how other people see us, but how we see ourselves. Yeah. So I want you to see yourself as that beautiful person and not beauty like long blonde hair or black hair or green mm-hmm. hair, but that beauty within. Yes. Yeah. So those were my two shifts. <laughs> Thirty minutes later, those are my- <laughs> <laughs> I think that is so amazing because I, you know, you said that's how you wanted other women to feel about themselves when you were in the beginning stages of your depression, like you were saying, how you were saying to yourself that you're lazy, you're this, you're that, and it wasn't that anyone else was saying any of these things to you. You were saying it to yourself, like. And even to the extent of feeling like you were alone and you didn't have anyone to talk to. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure if you had a said had husband yeah. <laughs> that needs to talk to you. Yeah. You know, but it's just all what we make up in our heads mm-hmm. to be what it is for us at that moment. Yeah. Cause I eventually, you know, when I did start telling people, it was kind of like, um, because I also didn't want people to pity me, you know, like, oh poor yeah. yeah. And, you know, and so I was like, um, but when I did tell people, like when I told my best friend, you know, she was immediately like, well, what can I do to help you? You know, so amazing. 
and, you know, making sure she talks to me every day. I told my husband, he know what the heck to do for me, okay? But, <laughs> but he made sure that I went to church every Sunday. You know, if I didn't do anything else, if, if I didn't, you know, if we didn't go to dinner or anything like that, he made sure that I got, up, got my butt up, washed my butt. <laughs> <laughs> sitting in that church on Sunday right okay we're gonna go see the Lord <laughs> say he can help you I don't know what to do but I mean that was the best thing he could do really I mean because it's only so much sometimes that you can say to someone who's going through that because it's hard to change their mind you know yeah. I know it was hard to change my mind so but I mean, it doesn't mean don't say it. It doesn't mean don't reach mm-hmm. out. They may not always reach back, but keep reaching out because at some point they will, you know, yeah. and you don't want them to be reaching and then your hand's not there because you're like, oh, they don't want to hear from me or exactly. oh, say, keep reaching out because at some point they are going to reach back and you want to be there when they do. You know, you, you expressed early on how you were a leader and I'm, and then how, when you were in the workplace, how amazing you were at work and how your boss knew that he could depend on you. Mm -hmm. And it seems as though when, um, women, especially black women that go through depression, it's like, we are wearing all of these hats. Mm -hmm. We have everything on our shoulders Mm -hmm. and we make everything a priority except ourselves. Yes. So now, are you working towards, or did you implement anything to make sure that you make yourself a priority? No. No, I'm kidding. Yes. <laughs> I'm still a work in progress, like you said. Um, <laughs> one thing that I definitely did um, was create a routine. So, mm-hmm. like, morning routine, like, okay, this is what time I'm going to wake up. This is what I'm going to do when I get up at that time. I'm going to take, you know, so-and-so minutes for myself drink my favorite tea or um, run to Starbucks or um, or uh, do something, you know, write in the morning, something that that is just me, you know, and then I wanted to make sure, okay, have the kids clothes picked out. So that's one less thing you have to worry about. Do that on a Sunday, pick out their clothes for the rest of the week. Now, <laughs> that does not always happen. But <laughs> <laughs> the fact that I have that in place, you know, when it does happen, you know, it runs a lot smoothly. Just to have that, to look back at, okay, this is what I need to do, blah, blah, blah. Okay, wash their clothes on this day, have this. And then, I mean, I also have help because we have, like, a babysitter who comes and watches them while I'm at work. So she'll mm-hmm. put their clothes on a hanger for me or fold them and stuff. So just also being able to ask for help has been a big help, a big thing because, I wouldn't ask for help. I'd be like, well, nobody's going to do it like I did it. Or mm-hmm. if I don't do it, it won't get done. So I'll just do it instead of asking for help. Granted, if I ask my husband to do it, I do have to ask him several times. Um, it's kind of like he hits snooze on me when I ask him to do something. <laughs> snooze, snooze, snooze. And then he's like, okay. I'm going to well, do it in a minute. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> so let's hope he does not listen to this episode. Um, he knows it all in love, I'm sure. <laughs> He's gonna be looking at me like for real. For real. <laughs> really. But I mean, just being able to ask for that help is important because if you feel like you're doing it all alone, um, it makes the weight so much heavier than if you try yeah. to divide it up. Like, okay, maybe he won't wash the clothes, but can you pick their clothes out? 
or maybe you won't put the clothes up, but can you separate them so I can wash them and, you know, everything will be, you know, so just even if it's little things, um, what else? Doing something for myself at least like once a week. And Mm -hmm. it used to be, I was like, oh, I'm gonna go get a massage. Girl, uh -uh. Uh, (laughs) unless it massages $10 and 50 cents. Right. (laughs) but now I'm like you know that was when I was like I was thinking too big but now I'm just like well maybe I'll just go get a a Starbucks drink and uh sip it in the parking lot because I don't feel like you know the car (laughs) depending on if it's cool and you know that's my thing I'm like okay that was my thing for this week but even just having that 10-20 minutes of peace and quiet without mommy 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 or I need milk then it makes a big difference you think it wouldn't you're like 10 15 20 minutes whatever that's i might as well just not even Mm. do it it, please (laughs) you owe it to yourself to for your biggest decision to be do i want whipped cream or no whipped cream sometimes that helps for that to be your biggest problem at that moment you know or sometimes I'll just go get like a pedicure or not even a pedicure if I don't have that much time. Can I get a polish change? Like just little things, yes. you know, little things. That's one less thing you have to worry about. You don't have to walk around on your heels while your toes dry at home and mm-hmm. little kids running over them, you know? So just little things. It does not have to be huge. And that's what I always thought. I was like, well, I only have an hour, so I can't do anything. Man, please. What I can do in an hour now? Girl, I run every errand I done ever had in that hour because I prioritize. <laughs> and Target has drive up now, girl. What? Done? Yes. You order it in the app. You they tell you when it's ready. You go drive up. They bring it out to your car within two minutes, and you are back to your life, honey. So an hour—that's like oh, that's eight hours in mom life. Mm-hmm. Like you know how they have dog ears. There's mom hours. There's <laughs> being able to get it all yes we could just put the being the taxi on autopilot i mean yeah there's uber Mm -hmm. but you gotta count you have to pay for that yeah but i'm not at that point yet i don't have to be a taxi yet my kids are two years old and eight months so i'm not quite a taxi yet but i am everything else (laughs) (laughs) right everything under the sun so yes 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 so I am glad that you like I love when the guests are so just so candid about their experiences because I I just feel like if we're not being our true authentic selves how are we going to make that impact how are we going to help create those shifts exactly that's why I wasn't like at first I was kind of like um well I shouldn't tell people that because then they're going to judge me or people going to think I'm a bad mom because you know and, I, and I'm like, okay, one thing I did do while I was depressed, I did make sure that my son was taken care of, you know, because that's that mom in us. Mm-hmm. You can't. There were days I did not have the energy. So I would ask the baby, hey, can you brush his hair? <laughs> you know, can you <laughs> because I just don't have it. You know, I don't have the energy. So there are times when we're just like, I can't. But then there are other times we feel like, now I may neglect myself, but I just, I can't do that to him, you know? So, you know, there's different ranges. And if you have it really bad, then you can't take care of anybody. But um, I just, you know, I I was like, well, I have to, I feel like I went through this for a reason. And Mm -hmm. I 
share that. It could be to, you know, for someone else to see, wow, I'm going through that. Maybe I need to get help or, you know, not to be afraid to, to ask for help or to speak to a therapist because people, you know, sometimes therapy is so taboo. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and you know, I still go to therapy. Girl, I walk up in the office. Hey, hey, like we, we like this thing. We- yes, but um, yeah, they were like, "Would you like some water or some tea?" I'll take both. The tea for here, the water to go. Like this is my, mom. you know, these are my. I'm not ashamed or anything. People have asked me, you know, asked me where I go to therapy or whatever. I don't care. My therapist mm-hmm. has asked you know, if I mind. Um. I, it was something or whatever I don't know it was somebody who was kind of like on the end on the uh edge of you know if they wanted to do it if they didn't or whatever mm-hmm. girl yeah I I don't care I will tell it I was screaming yeah. for the mountaintops because it was it's a part of my journey and we all yeah. have, you know we all have things that we need to sort out or that we've gone through and we all have, you know, ups and downs, highs and lows. So it's whatever. I'm not, I'm not embarrassed. I was at first because I was like, oh, but now I'm like, yeah, girl, let me give you a card from my therapist because you might need it, okay? I overheard your conversation. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> I overheard the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> like, are you, go? you need to go ahead and get you some therapy so you can get over that. Mm-mm, boo, he is not for you. And it is that simple. It really is. I think is. In, our, in our community, it's like, no, you just need the Lord. Well, guess what? They work hand in hand. Right. They said, pray it away. And I'm like, you know what? My therapist was the answer to my prayers. I did pray for it. And this just was like, the answer. Right. Just like writing is my purpose. Obviously, therapy is hers. And I tell her mm-hmm. all the time, I'm like, thank you for, because she wasn't always, clearly, she wasn't always a therapist. But um, <laughs> <laughs> like, thank you for walking in your purpose so I could find mine again, you know, because who knows if she was disobedient and I got somebody else and they just didn't know, didn't care, didn't, you know, nothing, where would I be, you know? So because she was obedient and and she trusted God to um, order her steps and she went ahead and did what she was supposed to do, she was able to help me. So get you some therapy. Don't be embarrassed. Mm-mm. Anytime that we are not walking in our purpose, we are being selfish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's so true. Because our purpose really isn't even for us. It's for it's other not. people. Mm-hmm. It's for other people. It's not, it's not even for you. And, you know, I always say that my purpose is to create characters, stories, and content that positively impacts the lives of others. And my purpose is to show God's love in all that I do. So how am I showing that if I'm if I'm scared to, if I'm only showing you the good stuff and I don't open up and take out them cobwebs and them and the uh, skeletons and the bones and stuff how am I doing you any good? Exactly, like you have to get the whole story: the good, the bad, the ugly, everything in between. Everything, boo. <laughs> get it all. They gonna be like, oh, that's a little much, round. I don't need all that. You gonna get it? <laughs> Sorry. He right. take me as I am. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, where can our listeners um, get a copy of your books? It the books are on www.briannalorenlaren.com. Girl, why you didn't correct me earlier? <laughs> Loren is just a bougie way of saying Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. 
that's what my mom my mom called me she was like brianna uh lauren but then she she always told me she was like well it's supposed to be pronounced lauren i'm like my that's so bougie but then when it came to my author name i was like i'm gonna use that brianna lauren <laughs> Mm-hmm. There you go. That's yep. my name. <laughs> great, great, great. I'm gonna put the links to um where you can get the books at and everything in our show notes so our listeners will be able to click right on it and get their copy of Pretty 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 Little Black Girl. Wait, did I say that correctly? <laughs> and Pretty Black Girl. And Bree Look, and when I saw that, I was like, that's what I call my daughter. <laughs> pretty pretty yeah my mom used to have me stand in the mirror and do the miss america wave and be like oh. brianna say i'm so beautiful i was like i'm so beautiful <laughs> oh, i love that i love that because our little black girls need to know that they mm-hmm. are beautiful no matter what shape what size mm-hmm. what color mm-hmm. like it does not matter because i definitely went through the ringer being a pretty black girl dark yeah. black girl <laughs> yeah definitely went through the ringer so before we end our interview I do like a little session called time capsule so I have a series about five questions and just kind of just like what first comes to mind okay okay all right so first what would you tell your younger self I would tell my younger self to love herself no matter what Love it. What keeps you sane through all of this process? <laughs> My kids. Oh, your babies. Yeah. <laughs> Just that look on their face, that excitement they get, like when I walk into the room, their little hugs and their Aww. smiles. That that's what gets me every time. And mostly when they're asleep. Yes, they're <laughs> so much cuter when they are asleep. <laughs> they are. <laughs> What tools help you the most? And by tools, you know, it could be anything like a certain planner or just a routine like you talked about. Just It could be anything. I would say um, tools that help me the most. My phone, my calendar, my alarm. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely though. sleep right now from oh. this morning. If I have my alarm clock. Um, and definitely a routine, a routine and prayer. I know yes. that I consider a tool. Yes, it is. It definitely is. Mm-hmm. And what is the name of a shift of another shift maker? Because you definitely are a shift maker. Um, that is going on under the radar that people need to know about. Um, I would say uh, my publisher, Ashley Graham. She's a shift maker with her publishing company, Black Owned, Black Run. I love it. Black Owned. We want to keep on supporting the Black Owned. Mm -hmm. Keeping the dollars Black, okay? And how can we get connected with Ashley? Um, Is she on Instagram? Facebook. Yeah, she's on Instagram. But she's (laughs) on Facebook uh, under Ashley Graham or Lift Bridge Publishing. Yeah. Okay. I could also I can link y'all too. Also, if you want. 
Yes, definitely do that. I like to put a spotlight on other shift makers because it's like I wanted to just continue to evolving and let people know about this one and then build on top of that one and mm -hmm. so on and so forth. So yes, definitely. Awesome. And lastly, what are you most thankful for? I would say that's, that's hard because I would just say my overall life, my sanity, my kids, um, sometimes my husband. No. <laughs> I love him. Um, <laughs> just my overall life like, and everything that comes with it. The craziness, the happy times, the sad times, the angry times, all of that. Because it's all a blessing because I'm, I'm here today still living and breathing so that is so true very true statements i think that was an awesome way to let our listeners know all about you and your journey and how you are definitely making shifts so we will link all of your info well before we say we're going to link it how can people get connected with you <laughs> i am on instagram under brianna loren <laughs> 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 B-R-I-A-N-N-A-L-A-R-E-N. -A -A -E I also have an author page on Facebook, which is Brianna Lauren Author. Awesome. Awesome. And we'll put that information down into the show notes. Well, thank you tonight. I know it's a little late, but I appreciate it. I know our listeners will appreciate it. Like this is definitely going to be one of those episodes that I've listened to over and over again. Cause I tell you, I feel like I am looking in the mirror. I'm like, God. oh my god <laughs> thank you <laughs> so i greatly appreciate it and to all of my listeners definitely subscribe and share and leave a review let us know what you thought about this episode if you have questions for the author um so we can get those over to her and always remember no matter what the situation is it all that matters is what you do in the shift thank you for listening to shift the plan podcast i hope that you enjoyed today's episode make sure that you are subscribed and that you rate this episode as well as leave a review let me know what you think as well as any questions you may have for the guests that was on the episode today now some exciting news if you haven't already seen it on my uh, shift the plan podcast or my personal page the ronda evans we are now a whole tribe y'all i know it has evolved from just me having the idea to starting the podcast to now wanting to connect with more individuals who are shift makers those who are making an impact in different areas in the community and education mental health and just what that foundation of building families are um, and so I'm excited to announce that we are now an organization called shift maker Charlotte so you can head on over to our Instagram page at shift.makers.clt and take a look at what we have going on. And you can also go directly to the website at shifttheplan.com backslash join the tribe.